0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the How to Scale Business Podcast. My name is Hector Santhi Esteban, and I'm your host for today, merely your guide and your facilitator. Our special guest today is Mr. Brad Smith, and he's. Uh, we're going to talk about some cool stuff today regarding automation. We're going to talk about maybe content and maybe some pivoting stuff. So, Brad, thanks for hanging out with us today.
1: Thanks for having me on, Hector. Looking Looking forward to it.
0: Talk to us, before we hit on hit record, you threw a bombshell on me and you were like, there's this huge moment that we probably should talk about as because I think the the origin story of businesses and entrepreneurs, it seems to always play a role, if you will, but it seems to always be a theme or the catalyst, if you will. And I know that you and your family had a, you can describe it, an experience that kind of set you on this path that you're on now. Why don't you catch us up on, on some of those key milestones, maybe even before that, and then a little bit about what you do now as well. Yeah, I appreciate
1: that. And I always think things happen for a reason, right? And it seems like whenever something crazy happens, it ends up being a positive experience later on. You just don't realize it at the time. Since the age of 15, I was lucky enough to be born into a family of entrepreneurs. My my grandpa had his own tire store back in the forties and fifties, there was no internet. So owning a tire store yourself is an entrepreneur back then, my grandma was selling uh, Shackley products one of the first multi-level marketing. Some would argue that maybe isn't an entrepreneur, but an entrepreneur is someone that takes financial risk and spending a lot of money on products and getting 1% back from multi-level marketing. That's a big risk, I would say. So I'd call her an entrepreneur. My father owned a cabinet business, so he did custom cabinets. All before the internet, those were entrepreneurs from the past. And I was lucky enough to get into building garden benches at the age of 15. And I wouldn't just build a garden bench and it would just sell. Obviously I'd have to drive to the greenhouse, talk to the owner and sell it myself. So at the age of 15, I was lucky enough to learn the simple sales game, meeting someone face-to-face, building that relationship with them, which was very positive experiences from there, multiple businesses from there. But the big curveball that we chatted about, my wife and I started a very successful fitness and nutrition business in St. Pete, Florida. I had my mentor. I didn't know he was my mentor at the time. But he came to me and he said, hey, how come you don't have a website yet? And I'm, Who cares about a website? I'm just fitness coach in here. He said, hey, let's do a trade. And I basically said no for the first couple of months because <laughs> I wanted my 200 bucks. You know, at the time I was young, 200 bucks was helping pay the rent. Eventually, after a couple of months, I said, all right, sure, let's trade. So you help me with my website. I'll train you in the fitness industry. Long story short, about three months later, I was number one on Google. I was one of the first people getting text messages from my website. So this is when SMS opt-ins actually first came out, where people could text me directly from the website, from a form. So I was able to get multiple clients while I'm working with people, helping them get healthy and fit. That was really cool. And at the time, I thought it was cool. Yeah, let's get more leads. But it wasn't until my wife and I were sitting at a red light and somebody decided to slam into us going 50 miles per hour. Put the whole trunk through the back seat, push us about a hundred feet through the red light down the road. I have 11 herniated disc and the worst ones in my thoracic, my middle back. My wife actually had seizures and a concussion from it for years after. So now what? (laughs) You've got this fitness business. I'm on my feet. I'm hustling 4.30 AM to 9 PM, multiple clients. And I'm like, I can't do that anymore. So what the heck do I do now? And that's where being ready to pivot, I think, is something I've learned a lot. You might feel like it's the end of the world or something crazy happened, but if you set yourself up for success early and prepare yourself to be able to pivot if needed, not knowing what's going to happen in the future, that's going to give you more hope for the future when maybe something does happen, or if you want to grow more from what I've experienced. So. I had chiropractors, I had gym owners. I had people all the time asking me, hey, how'd you get your website to number one on Google? Bell went off on my head. I've got a great mentor. He got my website number one on Google. Let me reach out to him and ask him to teach me how he did it. That's where a tragedy turned into a positive because for the first week, I'm freaking out. What the heck do I do? And then after that, it's pure motivation. I know exactly what to do. By the way, I can only work with 10 people a day in this fitness industry. But if I start helping people with their websites online, I can work with a million people a day through coaching or agency models. So being able to since my website was number one on Google, I had a good website. I started learning, I was able to pivot quickly. Now what I don't know what I would have done if I didn't wasn't in that situation. So that's why we started this business now, automation links, automating things to if I ever need to pivot in the future, I can either sell a business since it's automated, I could have somebody run the business since it's automated. It's not solely relying on me because I've created those systems in place, knowing from my background, who knows what's going to happen? What if I lose my site? How can I actually build a website and help people with their marketing? So long story short, that's what happened and I'm better for it now.
0: Yeah. There's a lot we could go back to. You mentioned, I think it was your grandma being an MLM or some people having ideas about multi-level marketing or whatever it is. I got my start in direct sales and I can't tell you how many people had this negative viewpoint or whatever mindset, but it was the best intro to entrepreneurship. It was really this kind of almost entrepreneurship with guardrails, at least for me. I know that there's a lot of different programs and systems out there, but I think the early learnings that you saw and experienced even selling all of those benches were critical in what you were able to do afterwards. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And if you think
1: about it, those people, they take so much risk for so little of a reward. I know somebody making, he was excited. He was making, I think 20 grand a month from an MLM. And after he built up his whole funnel below him, all those direct sales, they decided not to be an M- MLM anymore and he lost everything. So he wasn't ready to pivot, but, but yeah, you work hard and you learn how to sell early on, which is good.
0: Yeah, that sales part of it. Because I think what a lot of people miss is that if we skip to the end to the automation part, if you automate a broken process, you just get more broken pieces. So the real sweet spot is that you've got to know how to do something well in order to automate it. You can't just, there's that step first as well. So I'm curious about the misconceptions that people have when it comes to automation or AI, because I find that there are a lot of times these things that you have an insider's view. And I got to imagine that there are times where you're slamming your hand on your forehead saying, don't you get if you only understood this, if you only got this, so many things would be easier. But there's just something that people aren't breaking through, or that's not clear for people. Is there something that kind of fits into that for what it is that you're doing with the people you work with? Yeah. And started up with, if you think about direct sales or any old sales processes,
1: the key was the follow-up, right? You got to follow up with somebody on the phone or through email six or seven times before they actually buy from you. And that was before the internet. I think people have lost their way when it comes to that. They think a lot of feedback is ads are expensive. I don't know how to set up all this automation stuff, but if you break it down and you simplify it, You really just want to use these tools we now have that people in the past never had and use those to follow up with somebody seven times. You can do that with low-cost advertising. Remarket. If they see your remarketing ad seven times, they're going to come back and buy. You don't have to call them seven times. You can do that with a Facebook group, just posting consistently and helping people in a Facebook group. And when they see that you're posting, a month later, they'll come back and buy now remember, most people don't buy the first day they see a business, which you gotta follow up with them. So why would that be any different? People think your a website's different. Oh, I'm gonna build a website and I'm gonna send traffic and people are just gonna buy. It's not any different. You still have to think, you still have to have empathy for your customers and think of what they're thinking of. They don't think you're as cool as you are. You think you are. You think your website's cool and you think your business is great, but they don't know that yet. They're not gonna know that the first time. So what we're finding, and from I have that cool experience of coming from that fitness and health industry, they're not all very successful. Everybody's pinching their pennies. They're looking for low-cost things. So I found ways to set up low-cost ads and set up seven automated emails, really low-cost things that can retarget people and follow up, build a relationship somehow, and actually get results without spending thousands and thousands of dollars on ads to get a sale. So just being more strategic, showing empathy for your customers, not just thinking about yourself with your business, I think has gone a long way in the results
0: we've seen. Yeah. You brought up this concept of automating ads. And what's really interesting is that when I came up in direct sales, this was when cell phones still had nine buttons on them and there was even a flip down thing. I had a, I had a flip phone. It was so bad. I used the phone so much for my job, for my sales job, that I lost the back of it and the battery could fall out. So I ended up taping, like you use duct tape, and I wrapped it around the phone. And when I was making phone calls, my face would get sticky from the duct tape being on my cheek. But I say that because... That was how we contacted people and we couldn't really text people. It was before texting was just coming online that time. Email wasn't really a thing. So you either picked up the phone or you knocked on their door. That was how you contacted people. And what you're saying is that people still feel like they're stuck in that mentality. Or like Those are the options and the methods for reaching out and following up when there's a whole new world of opportunities to do that follow up. And then what you're layering on is that now you can automate it in a low cost way. I know I just am like reiterating what you said. I don't think the listeners are aware of, of that concept and then what's possible. So can you kind of maybe paint some pictures of what they might be able to do if they start to look at outreach and follow up that way?
1: Yeah, before I do that, I do want to cover one thing as your recap
0: there that I just want to drive
1: the point is I think we've gotten lazy. I think that business owners have gotten lazy from the past, and then we blame it on everything else besides ourselves. I always say, blame yourself before you blame others, right? We got lazy because we think we can build a website and we're going to get sales from it tomorrow. When in fact, our customers still don't care yet because we didn't put the work in. So I want to really drive that point across because you have to build relationships with people still. You got to, just like picking up the phone seven times to follow up with somebody, got to do that from your website. Nobody's just going to go buy. So really want to drive that point across first. When I talk about the ads, it's the same thing, but now we have all the tools and especially the last year, which have been the most exciting. And our clients have actually seen the best results as the economy slowly going down from COVID, wherever the situation is, people are actually getting better results because these ad platforms are now introducing AI. Now, up until I would say a year ago, Only the big companies, like let's say Nike shoes, could retarget you if you talk about Nike shoes. If I talk about Nike shoes, my phone's listening, and really a big budget, ad budget, and the big companies could set up an ad to target somebody and show them a a Nike shoe in the feed tomorrow. And when I'm talking about these ads, I want the listeners to remember, I'm talking about something to remind somebody about you, the follow-up, the seven follow-ups, like you're going to call them. With AI now, is the average user, you, me, our neighbor, can actually set up an AI ad on Google, on YouTube, on Facebook, even on Twitter. They can retarget somebody based on not only what they search for in the future, which we're all used to, but what they've also searched for in the past. And that's the exciting thing. Google knows if you were looking for a grill last summer for your back porch, they know that you searched for that last summer. So as an advertiser, I can show you a grill in your Gmail, in your YouTube, in your Google, using the AI ad this spring. Hey, by the way, don't you need a new grill this year? It's just really exciting and we can dive into the layers of that.
0: Yeah, I want to do that. When we get back from break, I would love to dive into to that just to give people a strategic, high-level view of, of what that map looks like because once again, I think it's really groundbreaking to a lot of people. And then also I'd love for you to share how you have been able to leverage some of these things where you've been able to take one piece of content and turn it into hundreds and hundreds of pieces of content across social media. And so we're going to do that right after this quick break. Hey, y'all. Today's episode is brought to you by Amplify Media, and we are a podcast and content production company. We we like to think of ourselves as genius creators or platform builders because chances are, if you're listening to this, you have a a product, a service, a mission, a message, something that you want to get out to the world. But you may not have the time, the team, or the tech skills like Brad does to be able to get it done. So if that's you, we might be able to help. Go to AmplifyMedia.com. That's A-M-P-L-A-F-Y Media.com. You can also check the show notes. Info, and uh, with that, let's get back into the episode with Brad. So, Brad, take us further into this because you're talking Google, YouTube. What does the ecosystem look like for you, or what can the ecosystem look like? Because I think a lot of people that are listening, they're like, "All right, I've got my website. Maybe I've got a blog. Maybe I have some social channels." But I think that's probably the extent of where it ends. What's the next layer or how does that evolve for a business that's taken the strategy that you're talking about? Yeah, I could break it down
1: to a couple different features and just keep bringing it back to, all right, where are your customers at? Where are they searching? Where are they hanging out at? Let's think of those. Let's write a few down. For me, Google, YouTube, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Okay, those are four good channels. Maybe your e-commerce, so maybe yours is TikTok, Instagram, of course, Google and YouTube probably as well. And then you also want to throw the curveball in emails because we still want to think, how can we follow up with people and let them see our message over and over? So I always say, let's take two to four channels and let's take an email and let's think of how we can really follow up with our users on each of these channels. And up until now, a lot of people, and it's actually been true, you got to spend thousands and thousands of dollars on ads. With the new AI platforms, we're getting pennies per click now. So I'm able to spend $100 on Google, $100 on Facebook, $100 on uh, LinkedIn, and have six automated emails. What that will do is follow up with every single one of my visitors seven times, minimum, maybe even more. And that's where we've seen the transformation happen. So putting a small budget in $100 a month, I'm serious about this. If you have a bigger company, $500 a month, we do $500 on all four channels and use those AI ads to just retarget people. So you're probably spending time sending newsletters every month. You're probably spending time doing social media posts. You are spending time, most likely, if you're a business owner, getting people to your website. So why don't you spend a little bit more time or put a little money into retargeting them with a small budget on all of those channels? Now what's gonna happen, and this is where the results come in, I visit your website. Maybe I fill out a form getting your lead magnet. And now I get an email from you, seven emails, but I also see your ad on Instagram. And then I see you when I search Google, and then by the way, I see a picture of you on YouTube. Next time I'm on YouTube in two weeks, I remember you, you built some sort of relationship with me. And I'll talk about how you can build better relationships through your content on our next topic, but that, it's that simple. And I know it seems like life. lot. You can hire someone on Fiverr, a freelancer to set all of these up for you for a couple hundred bucks. And I think that's where a lot of people get stuck is that you spend so much time on the front of funnel. We call it a marketing funnel, driving traffic to your website that first time, but actually your results come on the bottom of funnel when you follow up with them. So if you're going to, I would say, take some of that time and some of those finances, some of all the work you put into the front of the funnel and put some of those resources into setting up the bottom of funnel and reminding people because you don't need a hundred thousand people to your website to scale. You need a 1,000 people to your website with a 30%
0: conversion rate to scale. That's the key. And you've got a really interesting way to get people to your website just by, like you said, being in front of people. Can you talk about the machine that you've created that allows you to do this without, like you said, having to be the one manually posting, creating every single bit of content?
1: Yeah, and if you don't mind, I'll jump into the strategy first. But I'm able to make one YouTube video coaching education video with my face and it doesn't always have to be a YouTube video based on your preferences. I usually say it can be one out of three YouTube channel first because they can see your face podcast second because they can hear your voice and writing a blog third because if you prefer writing over those, we call it the pillar content. So what I'm able to do is take that one YouTube video and turn that into over 700 pieces of content over the month. What we do is we take the transcription from my video. We turn it into the podcast we turn it into four to eight blogs. And then with the use of AI, we're able to turn it into two or three social media posts a day with one freelancer I have doing this for me. So thanks to AI, we're able to produce that much content. Now here's the tricky part. This is what I'm seeing. A lot of people are using AI pictures now, AI videos. They're using AI only text, right? But here's the thing, you're not building relationship with your audience. Once somebody sees the same sort of AI picture and video numerous times, they're not going to see, know you any differently from your competition. So you really have to make this personal. And that's where my face on my video comes into action. We use that video because they can see my face, build some sort of relationship. I'm going to be more memorable than the AI picture or the AI video. And that's what makes me stick out above my competition. And then from there, just a little research. You can find ChatGPT prompts that say, hey, ChatGPT, don't just write me a blog that looks like everyone else's blog. Only use the words I use in my video transcription for the blog. Now, if you're listening, I'll repeat it for you. Write this down. This is key. Tell ChatGPT to write you a blog, but only use the words I use from my video transcription for the blog. Now, you're totally different. You're not an average AI blog. It's your words, only the words you would use. Never be plagiarized, never be duplicated anywhere else. It's exactly what you said. And that's really the key. Now you're going to stick out. When you go make those social media posts, your words that you said in the video or the podcast, not AI's words. That's really going to be the key when everyone else gets into AI, your competition is doing the exact same thing you're doing. That's what's going to help you stick out and get those people to remember you.
0: Yeah, yeah, such a great twist to, to the prompt if you will. Brad, this has been so fun. We're not even at the tip of the iceberg. We're on the the cold mist around it. If people want to go deeper, get more from you, go deeper in your world, where's the best place to go and get that? I think automationlinks.com or Brad Smith coaching on
1: YouTube. I love making educational YouTube videos. I will warn you though, my videos are boring, but they'll make you money. <laughs> That's the key. So, I've got couple hundred, couple thousand views. I don't have millions, but I sit down and I show you exactly how to set up that Facebook retargeting ad, show you exactly how to make that YouTube ad, show you exactly what prompt to use to turn your video into a proper AI blog. So I think Brad Smith coaching on YouTube would be great. That way I can teach you some more things. You can learn how to set up these ads on your own or all my resources. And by the way, go see if my blogs stick out to you on automationlinks.com. That should be helpful.
0: I love it. I'm going and subscribing right now to the YouTube channel and excited about digging in. Brad, I appreciate you and and all that you're doing for us and our listeners and then for the greater entrepreneur community as a whole. For you listeners that are still with us, we appreciate you being here. We would love and and be grateful for a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts. If you know someone that's in the midst of scaling their business or wants to Start implementing AI automation, things like that, that we talked about on today's episode. Hit that share button and send them a text message with the link to this show. And let's grow the community together. And As always, we appreciate you being here. We'll see you on the next one. Later, y'all. Yeah.